0: You're listening to Rabo and Co. Here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now nah. Here's Louie Rabot. Ah, uh,
2: yes, it's Cantrell and Co. this week, actually, because Louie's on vacation. So, welcome in. I'm Zach Cantrell, of course, the producer and co host of Rabot and Co. This week, you're still the Co., so we still need you. 437 9680 is the UPS jobs. Text line, we got a lot to get into today, of course. Kentucky with a big win against Auburn on Saturday. And why that could be a season changing win for this program uh, Louisville Falls against Pitt. Uh, for a time, they were being outscored by uh, Bobby Vinson. So, we'll see how that, uh, we'll talk about that. And I've got a little story later on about Ohio State beating Purdue. Of course, we talk a lot of national college basketball here on the show, and we will tie that in to Louisville, and that will make sense, I promise, at some point, and of course, we'll get to a lot of other uh, odds and ends as far as Lots of other big national stuff going on. You know how it goes here on Rabo and Co. ESPN six eighty one zero five seven. Uh, you just got me and uh, Tanner Brutomesto behind the board here today on the ones and twos. Uh, we'll have Mark Ennis tomorrow uh, for the entire show. Wednesday it'll be we'll have Gandolfo, I believe, for the first uh, our regular segment at ten twenty, and then Thursday we'll have Ben Roberts and Jay Davis as we always do on a Thursday, and we'll have Biscuit in on Friday. So you're going to be uh, full of guests and. We're going to have a lot of people here to talk about things. We're going to hold down the fort for Louie, of course, while he enjoys his much-needed vacation. And I mean, this is the best time of year if you're a sports uh, in our field to take vacation because it's in between the Super Bowl and March Madness. So this is kind of the, I don't want to say depths of despair when it comes to the sports world, but this is the time that if you're going to take vacation and not talk about just about anything, this would be the time to do it. But we've got other things to get into. We have plenty of things still to talk about. Uh, Tanner, what's going on, man? How's it going back there?
3: Uh, it was a good night last night. Uh, the NBA All-Star game is still boring, as <laughs> I remembered it was. Uh, yeah. Bam out of Bio made a three, and that sure was did. it. Yep. That was
2: it. I'll have plenty of thoughts. And then I on... turned
3: off the game, and yep. I was like, oh, I saw everything I needed.
2: Yeah, imagine being the guy who took the under in the All-Star game. <laughs> well, we'll
3: get in, we'll get into that i think it's gonna be a very defensive game
2: <laughs> if you thought it was a defensive game then uh yeah you you need to uh go invest in another line of work and never gamble again there's a reason those big towers exist out in uh, vegas so uh, we will get into that a little bit later because i've got some thoughts on the all-star game and the debacle that it's been uh so let's go ahead and start with the winners you know Kentucky beating Auburn 70-59. to What a great win that was for the Wildcats in a game that nobody really gave them much of a chance. And I thought this is a really good spot for them because Auburn came into this game. This is the biggest spread that Kentucky was facing all season uh, and probably going to be the biggest spread they faced the entire rest of the season. A lot of metrics had them as a double-digit underdog, and this is the game that they were... Statistically, the least likely to win, and yet this was by far their best performance of the season. Uh, they went at seventy to fifty nine, and this is back to back games. Now the Kentucky's defense has been very good. Uh, Sixty three points against Ole Miss, fifty nine points against Auburn. Auburn, one of the best offensive teams in the entire country, not just in the SEC. One of the top shooting teams in the entire country. Uh, we saw a couple weeks ago against Alabama. They were that was an up and down game that was in the nineties, and Kentucky slowed them to a crawl. And this is a weird transition for a Kentucky team that has been a bad defensive team for much of the season. That's been the biggest criticism of them. They led the nation for much of the year in total offense as far as they're averaging over 90 a game. I think that number's gone down a little bit uh, these last couple games because they scored 75 points against Ole Miss and 70 against Auburn. We thought if Kentucky was going to beat Auburn on Saturday, it was going to be 95-92 kind of an up and down kind of game because that's the game that Bruce Pearl wants to play and in many ways that's the game John Calipari wants to play. And it was not like that at all, partially because neither team could shoot the ball all that well. But Kentucky came out, defensively, their energy was much different than what we've seen throughout the course of the season. You know, they've had issues with switching and leaving guys open behind the three-point line. They've had issues defending the pick and roll. And it came to a head last week against Gonzaga, where Gonzaga ran the same play five, six times in a row, and they couldn't get any stops. And think about the difference between Kentucky's last three Saturday games. So they played Tennessee a couple weeks ago, gave up 103 points in that game. Last week, they played Gonzaga, gave up 89 points. They gave up 59 against Auburn. So in their last two games, they've given up a total of 122 points after giving up 103 against Tennessee just a couple weeks ago. So John Calipari's kind of mixed his defenses up a little bit, and that's something that we've been asking him to do the entire season. They're playing a lot of man-to-man, but they've also mixed in some zone. And that threw Auburn off, I think, a little bit because we haven't seen Kentucky use much zone defense. And it's something that we talked about in the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show that I do with uh, Ensign Gandolfo. We wanted them to do a little bit of zone defense at times because if you're not a great man-to-man team, the easiest way to fix that is start playing a little bit of zone. They start doing that a little bit and you see the results. I mean, let's not act like it was a perfect defensive performance because... Part of it requires the other team to miss shots, and Auburn missed a lot of shots. They only shot 30% for the entire game. They went four for 22 from three, so and they weren't all perfectly defense shots. But I will say what Kentucky has been doing these last couple games, they're forcing teams into contested twos. They're taking away the driving lanes. You know, on Onyenso has done a great job rebounding the ball and being kind of that shot-blocking presence that you need back there when you have a guard that blows past Dillingham or Shepard or whoever. You need a shot-blocker that can go back there and kind of erase that. And that's exactly what they have now. And it makes life a whole lot easier for them. And they led this game from start to finish. They led it by as much as 16. Auburn never led the entirety of the game. This was a dominant performance on the road Against a good team. Against a top 15-ish team. I mean, we saw the game right before this. Auburn played South Carolina and beat them by 40. And they scored 101 points. And so, we all kind of anticipated that this would be a shootout. And if Kentucky was going to win, that it needed to be a shootout. And it wasn't. And now, we have to kind of reconsider some things about this team defensively. When you give up only 122 points in two games. You know, the Ole Miss game, that was a good performance. But I took... I took a lot out of that game, but I didn't take as much out of that game because I saw it before when they played on a Tuesday night against Vanderbilt, and they were bombs away and scored over 100 points, and that was the game in between uh, the Tennessee game, the South Carolina game, and then the Gonzaga game. I didn't want to take too much out of them beating Ole Miss. I thought it was a good win, but you want to see them do it more than once, and it's the same thing we talk about with Louisville all the time, that we don't want these kind of games to be one-offs, which they've kind of been. So, I didn't want that game to be a one-off for Kentucky. I wanted to see what they did against a good opponent, game day in town, uh, all the hype around Auburn being maybe the best team in the SEC. Kentucky went there and dominated the game. There was only a couple of moments where you really felt that Auburn was going to close the gap, and they really didn't close it. I think the closest they got was six. Kentucky held them off, and this was despite Reed Shepard only scoring four points in 30 minutes. Rob Dillingham uh, had 11 points, which not a particularly high number for him but it was Antonio Reeves and Antonio Reeves I think is the most underrated player in college basketball despite playing for Kentucky somehow maybe the biggest blue blood of blue blood in college basketball and yet he's not getting the attention he deserves he should be no doubt he's going to be first team all SEC I think he could be a first team all American I think he could be a second team all American I would consider him for first team all American he had 22 5 and 4 or 5 and 1 he shot 3 for 6 from the three point line 8 for 20 overall and kind of put the team on his back. And you need a veteran guy that you know is going to go out and get 20 points. He and
3: did that against Kansas, too. He was the veter- veteran presence that got them bit back into the game, too. Like I think it's just because he was a transfer just last year. And like now they have that crazy freshman recruiting class that they have right now. People just forget about him because he's like senior. And you're not used to seeing seniors on Cal Perry's teams that much.
2: Yeah. No, you're not. And... Antonio Reeves, the thing he did in this game that he did not do against Kansas, he controlled himself. You know, against Kansas, he kind of shot them out of that game a little bit. He didn't play particularly well down the stretch. He played very well in this game. And you need a guy that you know is a walking twenty point bat game where he's gonna shoot three or four threes, he's gonna control the game, and there's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, he's averaging nineteen five and five. Well, shooting 50-40-90. 50% from the field, 40% from the three-point line, 90% from the free-throw line. So he's been in control, and he's a guy that you can pretty much rely on. And it's been very surprising to see Antonio Reeves turn into what he's turned into. Because I don't think anybody thought we were getting this version of him on a consistent basis. We knew that he could do this for a game or two. He's always been a guy that could have 30-35 points, you know, kind of have the a couple of games that Rob Dillingham has had this year. But we're seeing a lot more consistency out of Antonio Reeves. He's a guy that you can count on. And when you've got a freshman class that, you know, Reed Shepard's been great. Rob Dillingham's been great. Justin Edwards has had moments, but for the most part, has not been what we thought he would be. DJ Wagner, I think, has been solid. Maybe not what we thought he would be, but he's a really good defensive player. And then Aaron Bradshaw has been probably the biggest disappointment out of all of them. So you've got a freshman class that had all this attention coming in. But it's been Antonio Reeves' show. And he's been the constant on this team. And that's what you need. Uh, Texter said, Reeves has been outstanding. Yes, Texter, uh, let's go. When Louis's away, the producers will play. Uh, Yeah. That, that's exactly right, 437-9680. Uh, Remember, you are still the co in Rabo and Co, and this week it's Cantrell and Co, so we still need the co to be a factor here on the show, so text in four three seven nine six eighty. Lots of thoughts about Kentucky, Louisville. Uh, we'll get into the All-Star game in just a little bit, so we've got plenty to get into here. Uh, I want to play a little bit of Calipari sound, and you know, Cal is feeling himself. You know that they want a big game when he can go on the road and – He's going to the press conference afterwards, and he's digging himself. He's He knew how big that win was. Let's talk, play uh, Cal 1, uh, talking about leaving his players alone. Uh, go ahead and play that.
4: We're hoping to see something different. <laughs> we have some people here that are there for a reason. We're going to make this out to be... <laughs> Please just leave my players, let them be young and learn, and keep attacking me. I may be the worst in the country. Just attack me and leave these kids alone, okay? Thank you.
2: (laughs) There's the sarcasm, swaggy cow, as we like to call him on the uh, post-game show. That's when you know he's feeling himself. And, uh, yeah, when you win a game like that, that's a season changer. And the thing we talked about with this team, Inconsistency and everything. They have opportunities with this schedule to get more quad one wins than any team in the country. And they have a chance to continue to move up seed lines. And after they lost last week against Gonzaga, they were a seven seed, I think, in the ESPN Bracketology with Joe Lenardi. They're moving up to now a five seed. And he had them as his next four uh, as far as they, he lists the top 16 seeds, and I think he had Kentucky among the next four, so that has him as a five seed, so top 20 right now. And you look at the remaining schedule, they're on the road at LSU, they've got Alabama, and I think that's going to be the test for this team defensively, because Alabama is as efficient as any team in America offensively, and you just look at some of the scores that Alabama's put up. They're regularly scoring 90, 100 points. I mean, look at their last six games. They scored 100 points three times, and the fourth game, and they had a fourth game where they scored 99 points. So this team can get up and down the floor. They can shoot from the three-point line. You know Alabama's going to shoot 43s a game, and they don't care. Alabama is the perfect metric team offensively, and what I mean by that is the metrics say that you want to shoot threes or you want to shoot close like layups, basket layups dunks all that kind of stuff. Metrics hate mid-range. Alabama doesn't shoot mid-range. They shoot threes or they shoot layups and they shoot free throws. They're as efficient as any team in the country. So if Kentucky's defense is, is, is as improved as we think it is, that game is going to be the real test. Now, at LSU is not easy either. LSU just beat South Carolina on Saturday. But that's what that's what you get playing in the SEC. You get plenty of opportunities for big wins you got at Mississippi State coming up. Uh, Arkansas and Vanderbilt should be, I don't want to say locks, because I can't call anything with this Kentucky team a lock this year. But those are two games that if if they are as good as we think they are, they should win those handily. And then they finish at Tennessee. And I think this is a better defensive team than what we saw the last time they played the Vols. So we'll see if they can get a big road win. Remember, they did beat Tennessee at Tennessee last year, and that was what they worse Kentucky team than what we're seeing out of them right now. So they have plenty of opportunities to continue to improve their seed line, and this is part of the reason I didn't completely panic on this team, because this is the dog days of college basketball. I mean, outside of Connecticut, every team, and Purdue to an extent... Every team has had this kind of stretch this year. Well, they've only lost three games. I'm saying... You put
3: you put Purdue in the top three, they lose a game. That's you know, true. It's a, it's a fact.
2: Yeah, we'll get to them a little bit later. Um, But I'm saying, like, they've only lost three games. But for the most part, just about everybody else this year has had a stretch where they lost two out of three, three out of four, four out of five. UConn hasn't had that. Purdue really hasn't had that. Everybody else has just about had that. And Kentucky has had that, of course. They lost three out of four. And, you know, they're... It didn't look great, but that Auburn win is a season-changing win. It, it has the opportunity to be. Now, will they squander it at LSU and against Alabama? It could happen because those are two very good teams. And we talked about last week. I wanted to see them be two and one over that three-game stretch: Auburn, LSU, Alabama. Sounds like a really, really difficult football schedule this year. It's a difficult basketball schedule. But if they, I thought if they could go two and one over those three games. I thought they'd be in really good shape. Well, they were already one to know. And this was the one that people probably gave them the least chance to win. So that's a, that's a great sign. That's a big win for Kentucky. And we've said all year, the ceiling of this team is as high as anybody in the country. Kentucky, on their best day, can beat anybody. That includes UConn. That includes Purdue. That includes Houston. They can beat anybody in the country on their best day. This is also a team that could lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And remember, they haven't gotten to the Sweet 16 since 2019. And there's got to be a real sense of urgency with this team. And I think there is. Uh, Again, we'll go back to a little bit of sound here. So uh, let's play, uh, Tanner, let's go ahead and play Cal too on uh, the anonymous coach quotes that spoke negatively about Kentucky's defense coming into this game. Let's uh, hear Cal's response to that.
4: Now, the question will be, and everybody, you know, anonymously talk about our defense but the defense they know they got to get better they know they know we've got to rebound balls in traffic we got to do stuff but like i i don't know what you know i know that there are people that would say stuff to try to hurt this thing but the reality of it is what did you see today now what could you write They are so bad defensively. That's a top 10 offensive team.
2: That is a top 10 offensive team. And like I've mentioned, you got to give them credit. They've, they switched out much better. They closed out on the shooters much better. And when you allow a good three point shooting team to only make four threes the entire game, that should be celebrated. And I think the biggest difference is adding on Yenso into the starting lineup. Now you have a real defensive force back there to clean up your mistakes. And I think that really has helped this team in a significant way. And, What have we said all year? Kentucky doesn't have to be a great defensive team. And they've gone up substantially. They were 125th, I believe, going into the Ole Miss game. They're now in the 80s. Which isn't great, by any means. This is still not a defensive team that I trust fully. But when you have the offense that they do, when they can score 90 points against anybody, I just need you to be average defensively. Or good-ish defensively. I don't need you to be great. If you can hold teams to 75 points or less... I feel really good about Kentucky's chances of winning those games. I even feel pretty good about their chances if they hold teams to 80 or less because we know what they can do on a given night. So, that's the biggest thing that we've been wanting to see all year is them just be average defensively. Kind of like like a Big 12 football team in many ways. You don't have to have a great defense because your offense is going to be very good and you know what you're getting just about every night out of them. But I'm encouraged, if I'm a Kentucky fan... That the last two games they've scored seventy five and seventy points. Kentucky has. And that would have meant automatic losses earlier in the season. They won both. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Tanner, what do you think?
3: My bad. I was looking at the sounds and then I was looking at the time.
2: Yeah, like, I know, uh I know you're a Louisville guy, but of course you watch all the Kentucky games. I mean, What's yeah. your
3: takeaway? They're just I I've been saying it since the beginning of the year. They're either gonna win the natty or get bounced by like a Catholic school in Idaho in the first <laughs> round. Like, there's no in between with this team, and I'm sure some UK fans will be like, "Ah, what is he?" Th- but he's- I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm I think I'm right. Like, oh no, they know you're right. Yeah, like it just it wouldn't shock me if they were cutting the nets off at the end of the at the end of March Madness. Yeah, but it wouldn't be shocked if I saw Cal Perry and all those freshmen crying after losing to some weird team like. Like I just said, like an yeah. Idaho like, Catholic school. like, Yeah. But they do have the talent. They're very, very good. They do – like this Auburn game did show me that they can play very really good defense. We already knew they could play great offense, but right. it was the question marks on the defensive end, and they proved a lot of people wrong this weekend, and – I'm not going to say I'm proud of them, but I'm impressed by them. I'd say. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, when you can win in a way that people didn't anticipate you would win, that's more impressive than if Kentucky had gone down there and won this game, ninety-five, ninety-two. So, Joe Lenardi, I'm sure he's got to update this because I think this came out on yeah, it came out on the 16th, so that would have been Friday. So we had Kentucky as a six seed playing the winner of the playing game between Nevada and Utah. So kind of not an Idaho Catholic school, but one of those kind of teams. And then their second-round game would be Iowa State with uh, the great T.J.O., who should be in Louisville coaching searching candidates. But we can get to that a little bit later. So I I think Kentucky right now, they're going to move up to being a five seed. And I think you nailed it right on the head, and that's what we talked about all year. Could Kentucky win a national title? Yeah, absolutely. I think this team is talented enough. But how many times have we said that about John Calipari teams before? They have the talent to win a national championship. They always do. It's just the fundamentals aren't always there. The defense isn't always there. And this program hasn't been to the second weekend in five years. COVID wasn't a thing the last time Kentucky got to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. That was in 2019 when they lost to Auburn in the Elite Eight. So I need to see it on a more consistent basis. But this is a great start. When you win in a hostile environment against a team that hadn't lost at home all year, that's big time stuff. Now, can you translate that? Can you continue to do that? Because their last six games are all winnable games, but they're also games that you could lose three of them, and be looking at a seven or an eight seed going into the NCAA tournament, and that gets you prime to be beaten early. And I don't want to. I don't want to know what the reaction would be. I think if if they lose early in the tournament, and I don't know what you think about this, Tanner, but I think if they lose early in the tournament, fans' patience with Cal is going to run out. Because I think 14 years in, he said when he got here that it was a 10-year job, that Kentucky coaches should only be here for 10 years. He's been here for 14. And it wasn't that long ago. It was just a week ago. They got booed off the court. So I think if they lose early again, I think think people are going to have it with Calipari. I really do. I,
3: I would love that. With the whole Kenny Payne thing, it would make me very happy this year. The UK fans complain about Cal Perry. (laughs) Yeah. I
2: mean, when you compare the two perspectives, then you wonder why people would uh, complain about Cal Perry. But like I have said, Kentucky basketball is the gold standard, or it should be the gold standard. Yeah. And so you can't have it where it's 12 years without a national title. It's nine years without a trip to the Final Four. It's five years without even going to the Sweet 16. That's an eternity at Kentucky. And this team has every bit the potential to wipe away all of those things. They could win a national championship, and it would not surprise me. They could also lose to some 12 seed that becomes the darling of March Madness. Yeah. Both of those things are out there. And I think that's what makes this team compelling.
3: UK is going to see one white kid with a mustache come out and just have the, that's right. have the flashbacks of Doug. What is it? Doug, or something? Uh, Doug McDermott? Du- yeah. Doug Dougie McC- Buckets? No, uh, the uh, St. Peter's kid. Oh, the St. Peter's guy. That's right. I forget oh my God! Name. What's his name? Oh, we're gonna look that up over break. Someone will. Yeah, someone will text in right away.
2: Yeah, somebody's gonna text in. Uh, t- excuse me, Texter. The great offense that so many guys who can score will keep them from losing to that Catholic school in Idaho last year. Reeves didn't score till the game was over versus Kansas State. Kentucky has a lot more weapons than the one score from last year. I completely agree with that. They definitely have more than one guy. Last year, it was Reeves or Bust. This year, Reed Shepard, as we know, can go off. Rob Dillingham can have a five-minute stretch where he scores 15 points a la Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, back in the day. Uh, You've got uh, the Arrow, I think, has been really impressive these last couple weeks with 14 points on Saturday, his defensive prowess. He's been a guy who's kind of emerged. And so, yeah, I do think they have enough scores that's probably going to keep them from losing that first-round game. But That won't matter if they can't
3: defend. What's going on with Big Z? Because I'm the outside looking in kind of guy. Yeah. I remember the whole, the billboard, he gets eligible, he plays one game, and then people are like, ready to be like, he's better than Zach Eady because he's he's the better Big Z, and then I haven't heard anything from him. No, he's
2: just, he just hasn't had a whole lot of action because he needs to get up to game speed. Uh, He's... Defensively, he's just a little bit slow. He's a good shooter, but he's not a guy that's capable of playing major minutes right now. I think the most minutes he's played is in the 20s. So he's one of those guys that obviously got a ton of hype, but he needs to get caught up to game speed. I know we got to get to break here. On the first segment here of Cantrell & Co. Uh, reminder tonight, the Kenny Payne Show, 7 o'clock over on 93.9 The Ville. So he'll have his reaction to their loss against Pitt on Saturday. And of course, previewing the big game coming up on Wednesday against Notre Dame. where your flagship station for the Cards, and you can hear it over on 93.9 The Ville after Cardinal Insider. And you'll also be able to hear the Jeff Walls show. That's coming up tomorrow night from Parlor in J-Town. That'll be at 7 o'clock tomorrow. So, a couple of coaches shows over on 93.9 to get you started for the weekend. So, uh, coming up next, we'll have plenty of reaction to Louisville's loss against Pitt. We'll get into the NBA All-Star game coming up in a little bit. Plus, My Ohio State Buckeyes got a big win against Purdue, but we'll tie it back to Louisville. We'll do it next.
0: Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is.
2: To Rabot and Co. here on ESPN 680 1057. Now, nah, here's Louis Rabo. Not quite Louis Rabot. Zach E.C. in for the week. Louis gets a much deserved vacation, and we're still your flagship station for the cards. They're back in action on Wednesday at 7 o'clock as they host Notre Dame and Micah Shrewsbury, of course, who is from the local area. So that's going to be a fascinating game. Alex, White network coverage begins at 5:30 over on 93.9 The Ville, and after the game, tune into the Coors Light post game show with Ethan Moore. He gets to be the one that has that one this week. Taylor has him on Saturdays, and I mean the the post game show on Saturday was fascinating because I think now people are giving up the gig of Kenny Payne year three and giving up the whole. Oh, they're playing much better, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm always interested in post-game It was a good run. It yeah. was a good run. It was a good run. They hang, won like
3: two games in February, and it was like, hey, maybe this guy deserves it, and then we Hey, won a
2: quarter, 25% <laughs> of his games the last two weeks. How about that? Woo. Yeah, so, hang,
3: hang the banner. You hang know what? the banner.
2: So you had, that was, should be a banner. Yeah, Survive
3: was, two years of Kenny Payne.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you might be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> well, he's going to be in just a couple of weeks. Um, Damn right. But Saturday, it was weird because that was the first Saturday in two weeks where... Louisville did not win, and Kentucky did win. You know, you had a stretch where Louisville won and Kentucky lost. So that was a glorious couple of weeks for Card Nation. And so, I mean, I hope they enjoyed that. I know Ethan's going to do a great job in the postgame on Wednesday. Um, and speaking of Ethan Moore, join me and Ethan Moore and Taylor Lynch tomorrow night for Louisville Sports Live. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. That's following the Walls show Tomorrow night on ninety three nine, the Ville, where we're going to talk a lot about obviously cards, basketball, but probably some backup offensive tackles because we love talking about the transfer portal. So you got to get excited about something around here, right? All right, so yeah. so with that, let's go ahead and talk. Let's talk cards. They lose again. They lose to Pitt decisively. And I, what else is what what else is there really to say at this point? Um, Pitt is a bubble team. They're probably going to make the NSA tournament. They had a good week last week because they went on the road and beat Virginia. Did that pretty decisively. And then they handled Louisville 86-59. And, of course, the big story of this game was Blake Henson had 41 points. And at halftime, he had 27. And Louisville had 27. Never great. Not great when you're, uh, not, your five is going up against one guy. Not, not, not a time. winning
3: formula. Not I'll, typically I'll a winning
2: that. formula. He had 41 points, 9 of 13 from 3. And... The thing that confuses me about Louisville is it just seems like they don't address what the other team does well. Pitt is known for being a great three-point shooting team. They gave up 15 threes, 15 for 31, 48%. They give up 46% from the field overall. And I realize they're banged up, and I know they don't have a point guard, but they just they look unorganized. When they go out there, it's like they didn't practice the game plan. And it's i it, it it confuses me. I
3: it gets to the point where you don't know if there is actually a game plan. It's just what Penny is the game plan? being like? Yeah. Guys, let's go play basketball.
2: Like the, the old thing there. about they just roll the ball out. That's that's how they play sometimes. Now look, Caleb Glenn played great, seventeen points. Brandon Hundley Hatfield played well. They had four guys in double digits, so I'll give them that. But they had also had four, those four guys played at least thirty two minutes, so. That's the problem, when you just don't have the depth, and you would think that would matter more in the second half, and it did, because then the game got blown open, but they never really were in this. They are down 10 at the half, and like I mentioned, Blake Hinson had as many points as Louisville did. It's just, it's Groundhog Day, and I hope this puts a bucket of cold water on the Louisville fans that have been talking about how much better they've been playing lately, and offensively they have.
3: Did uh, you mention the, that Louisville went one for twelve from three? Yeah, one right, for twelve right, from yeah. three. Eight percent, nice. Eight percent. Virginia,
2: by the way, did you see this? Virginia beat Wake Forest on Saturday, yeah, and they like, shot one for eleven at the free throw oh, line.
3: Wait, at, wow! I one knew, for I, do, at the free I knew it was. Throwing. Yeah, I saw it was like forty-nine to forty-seven, and I was like, "Yeah, what is going on?" Yeah, it's not basketball it back a hundred years. Like, oh my watching God.
2: Virginia play basketball is like a root, getting a root canal. <laughs> I, I'm. I think they're going to make the tournament, and it's not going to be pleasant to watch. Never is. T- uh, Four three seven nine six eight. If you want to get in on the conversation,
3: it's just it boggles my mind that they won a national championship not too long ago. I know. Like still, it's like and they it had, felt like a fever dream.
2: Yeah, and they won the uh, Sweet Sixteen, the Elite Eight game just down the road at uh, the Yum Center. Yeah, they had a miracle against Purdue. You know how many bench points Louisville had in this game? You want to take a guess?
3: I'm gonna go with ten.
2: Lower. Wow. One. Wow. wow. One. The core four it. had one point. <laughs> Bench guys only took two shots. Zan Payne took one of them.
3: I'm just they waiting played, for Aiden Zan McCool. Payne played
2: twenty minutes.
3: I just want Aiden McCool to start. That's all I want. <laughs> start I'm at, Aiden. I'm McCool. at this point. Might as well. Please. What else you got to lose? He's got heart. He shows the fight. That's what the, Kenny
2: Payne. KP always wants to fight. Aiden McCool shows a lot of fight. He does. I'll give him credit. Aiden McCool. If they had a whole team of Aiden McCool's, they'd be better than what they are right now.
3: First guys in Payne playing
2: <laughs> Gritty, tough guy, dives on the floor, you know.
3: Not a backwards de- hat de- kind of guy. Not a
2: backwards hat kind of guy. Deceptive speed. He's one of those guys. Zan Payne playing 20 minutes is the biggest indictment on this team right now. You talk about nepotism, my gosh. Curtis Williams, 28 points, had as many points as we did. Trey White, he played, well 16 and eleven. It's just not consistent. You give up 41 points to Blake Henson. And nobody else from Pitt scored more than 10.
3: You let one guy beat you. We tend to do that, though. Yeah. We almost... Who was the kid on uh, Georgia Tech? He went off against us. Yeah,
2: they've had four guys, I think, in the last five games go for 30 or more. Yeah. It's the first time in the history of global basketball that's
3: happened. But Yet again, not a winning formula. No.
2: The biggest point I want to make though, I hope this dumps cold water on the whole this team is improved, KP deserves a year three, blah blah blah. The talent is there. Nobody disputes that. Nobody says Louisville doesn't have players. They do. Trey White was freshman of the year last year at USC. Brandon Hudley Hatfield might be playing his way at least overseas. Maybe gets an NBA contract. Caleb Glenn can play. Mike James certainly can play. So it's not the talent, it's the scheme. And... They're being failed on a regular basis. And I just... I thought people... Look, they beat Florida State. Great. They beat Georgia Tech. And I realize Georgia Tech's beaten Duke and beaten North Carolina. But Georgia Tech is not very good outside of Atlanta. And that's a team in year zero with Damon Stoudemire. That's their head coach. Uh, it's
3: actually who negative more. two.
2: And you heard his uh, post-game presser. I think it was after the Wake Forest game and they got drubbed. Oh, yeah. That's more passion than Kenny Payne shown in two years. Or... What is this year? This is year one. I'm sorry. Last year doesn't yeah, count. Yeah, it's year yeah, it one. Count. It there
3: you count. go. Year one. Shrewsbury also shows the amount of fight or that kind of attitude. I listening to the other coaches in the conference in their post game press conferences makes me wonder what the hiring process was like. There's no way like Kenny Payne came in and was like hyping up like her. Like I I just don't like I don't understand why we gave him a contract because like he couldn't like he can't motivate anyone.
2: No. He probably demotivates anybody yeah. if anything else. They put you to sleep. Uh so you've been around this obviously. I moved here last year when Kenny Payne was already established as the head coach. What was your first moment of oh no, this might not work out?
3: Um a lot of people will say the Bellarmine game, but like I watched Bellarmine win their conference, so like I was like, all right, first year head coach, we got Bellarmine coming in. I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a close game. Yeah, when we lost, I was like, oh, this this night this might not be that good.
2: Okay, so it took you that long. It I, took
3: me one game, and I was like, all right, yeah, come on.
2: Well, I mean, losing some ex- losing an exhibition game to Leanne Rimes doesn't help. Oh, either. that too. That too. Yeah,
3: two two exhibition games of against D two teams, or I don't even know D three. Yeah. Whatever. Ta- it I I knew right away. How about that? I just there knew right go. away.
2: Texter, how as a coach do you not try and take away the other team's best player, make someone else beat you? Yeah, it's the uh it, it's the it's coaching 101. <laughs> positive radio. <laughs> yeah. Positive radio. We're still doing positive radio. We just talked about Kentucky with a big win for 20 minutes. That's positive radio, baby. How about that? So we'll we'll get more into more positive radio coming up. So, uh but yeah, it it's what, 6 more games? Got 5 more regular season games and then the first game of the oh, ACC I can't tournament. Wait. Maybe maybe you get 7. Maybe they win on the uh, the day of shame. Maybe they win one oh, because man. they're now in, they're back to last place in the ACC. They took that away from Notre Dame or
3: Georgia Tech. Rather. Hey, that's not good. That's not good. Who great. do we who would we match up with in the ACC?
2: Uh, let's go ahead and see that right now. If it's
3: BC again. I'm just going to have the flashbacks of last year where we just couldn't rebound a ball worth yeah. Anything.
2: So, right now they're
3: 15th. Let alone losing to Boston College. It would, it would College. be Virginia
2: Tech. Right now it would be Virginia Tech. Oh. So they, they have the tiebreaker against Boston College. for, <sighs> I don't know exactly how that works, but they're not far off from Syracuse. Syracuse is 7-8, and eight and they're playing their way into the conversation for the NCAA tournament. And this is just not a great year for the ACC. It really isn't. North Carolina's good, but they've stumbled as of late. Duke. This isn't vintage Duke. Do you really look at them as anything more than a Sweet 16 team? Virginia is 11 and four. They're an eyesore. Pitt, 17 and eight. They're playing their way on the bubble. Uh, NC State, they're fine, I guess. Wake Forest is fine.
3: This just isn't a great year for the conference. And do you think Pitt can make some noise in the uh, tournament, uh, the conference tournament? I think it's possible. Like I could see them, yeah. maybe winning it. The way they I shoot, I'm absolutely. Not putting money on it, but. I wouldn't be shocked. No, I wouldn't be either.
2: I, I would not be. Um, so right now, you basically got three locks. North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia are going to make it. Pitt and Wake Forest are bubble teams right now. And it's just a bigger indictment on this Louisville program is that in this ACC, that they're still last. And go ahead and throw out last year if you want to do that. If you want to throw out last year, go ahead. Be my guest. I'm not throwing it out, but if you want to, fine. If this were year one under Kenny Payne, this would still be enough to get fired—to go five and seven against the 315th ranked non-conference schedule, and to lose to Arkansas State the way they did, and to not be competitive against Kentucky and lose to an average Indiana hey, team. We won, we
3: won team. that second half. Yeah, we did. When <laughs> raise the—they're very good at second halves, by the way. That's that's what Kenny Payne meant by he wanted to beat them by one. He was—he yeah. was just talking about the second half. That's right.
2: They're one of the best teams in the country at winning second halves after being down 20 at halftime. So I'll give you that.
3: That's a stat. <laughs>
2: I think they've won five second halves this year and lost by double digits. Something like yeah. Again, those it's lines.
3: the Kenny Payne mindset. The first half doesn't count. All right. He, so didn't, he didn't get. He didn't get the opportunity that yeah, well, Jones did.
2: Let's play a little bit of sound here and let's talk about Kenny Payne uh, on the attempts to contain Blake Hinson. Which, judging by Blake Hinson having forty-one points, you can judge how successful that was. Here's what KP had to say about that. Well, Coach, defensively, you've talked about it a lot all year, it's not one little thing, it's a lot of things, and tonight, again with Henson, it seemed like there was a lot of things that added up to one time he's open, one time maybe a hand's not up, there's just so many things. Yeah.
1: First of all, when a guy's that kind of score, you have to always be alert to him and where he is on the floor, and know that he has unlimited range, he's big and strong, and and he gets it off quick so we we knew he was going to get some baskets but we want those baskets to be hard and i talked about all week how every basket he gets make it as hard as possible and you know sometimes guys the focus of where you are on the court and you lose losing for a split second and he ends up burning it's just that's not the way we want to play this game
2: uh, Texer said, "Positive radio. It's almost over, fellas. There, there it is. It, that is positive radio. I'll give you that.
3: We but, are in the home stretch. We are in the home stretch. <laughs> it's the last, last I, lap of the mile.
2: I'm just, I'm just frustrated that Kenny Payne can never really give a solid answer, a good answer to, well, anything. Like,
3: you, you, what's could, your game plan? You could strictly fire him off of the post game press conferences. Oh yeah. Like you don't even have to see the box score. You don't have to see the score." just listen to his answers, he could have won that game and have that answer, and I'd been like, all right.
2: I still think Kenny Payne has actually done worse in post-game press conferences than he's actually done on
3: the court. When when he gets fired. And that says a lot. I'm
2: going to pitch this to the station. As soon as we get fired, can we have like a top 10 Kenny Payne press conference moments where we have like a laugh track behind it? Can we do that?
3: The KP mixtape?
2: The KP mixtape. There you go, Striebel. There's your your mixtape idea for uh, the Friday after KP gets fired. I just did your job for you. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> oh man. Strebel does a great job with the mixtape. But let's let's add that in there. We'll do like the He tricked me against Indiana or the uh Compression shorts incident. Like, I was
3: going to say, when you were talking about how uh, UK switched to zone against Auburn this weekend, I was like, do you think Bruce Pearl thought he got tricked? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bruce Pearl did not get
3: tricked. Imagine Bruce Pearl taking off his shirt in the press. Oh, he boy. tricked me. He tricked he me. tricked me. <laughs> I could not get over
2: that because we were doing the Kentucky post game. I don't even remember who they played. And I remember just hearing that and me and Entz just lost it over here. Uh, texter, the alarms went off for me when in his introductory press conference he implied he had to be talked into taking the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad one. I mean, he. I, yeah,
3: I forget about that. Moment. Essentially, acted like he was doing everybody a favor. Another press conference that just. Oh. <laughs> yeah, has he ever had a good press conference? Texer, he
2: talked about to the kids last week about Henson. Yet he went off for forty-one. Yeah, I mean, and the the thing that bothers me about KP is that he will often blame the players. Like last week when they were talking about their lack of defensive skills, and he's talking about AAU ball and he's talking about how they need to transition from being a great offensive team or you know, having players that focus on offense, focusing on defense and on the surface it's actually not a terrible statement but it would be a good statement to have in October it's not a great statement in February after you've played 20 some odd games it's just not you have an entire training camp and you have the early portion of the season when you're playing UMBC, when you're playing Arkansas State you're playing New Mexico State and Pepperdine. That's when you're supposed to work that stuff out. And we're in February in ACC play, and they haven't worked that out. That's an indictment on coaching. It just is. It just is. So uh, we'll play another thing of a KP Sound. Uh, he's talking about the health of the team and the start of the game. You know, of course, we talked about how they were without a point guard, but, again, did not get off to a good start, which has been a recurring theme. So here's what he had to say about that. Yeah, Kenny, you you know, Friday you spoke about, you know, just – just like the health issues and guys missing time. Um, this group that started uh, last week, you praised them for having a good game against Clemson, uh, finishing strong in the second half. What about the start of this game and just, you know, um, as a whole did not, you know, the things couldn't
1: go right for them just, if, just in terms of scoring the ball? Well, I think, again, we're ranked 305th in experience, books, So, it's going to be hard for them to understand the consistency that's needed, the discipline that's needed, uh, especially when you are playing without a point guard. It's the reason why I want players that are versatile, because from the summer till today, I practice on every player one through five being able to handle the ball and bring the ball up the court and initiate offense um, for these moments right here. Look, I love my team. I love my guys. I'm 1,000% behind him. We are all disappointed in, in what happened out here today. Disappointed that an elite scorer scored, but how did he score? He scored with ease. Um, he didn't really have to really work really hard to get the baskets that he got. So that bothers me so. Really bothers me a lot. I'm not happy with that. Because we knew what he was. We know how good he is. We know how strong he is. We know how good he shoots the three. For him to walk out of this game with nine threes.
2: So what adjustments are you making defensively, Kenny? Henson started the game on fire, yes. But good coaches figure out a way to slow him down a little bit and not let him just take over the game. You can't have guys in the first half where he has 27 and your team has 27. That's just not good enough. And the experience thing, you can't play both sides of the fence where you're talking about how young your team is and you want to highlight that when things are going good, but all now all of a sudden you're using that as a crutch when things are not going so well. And your recruiting class, these are the guys that you brought in. These are your players. And to use the lack of experience, it's February, Kenny. It just is. It's February. We can't... We can't still be having this conversation. We we cannot be having this conversation. 305th in experience. You built that team. You brought them in. These are guys that... Experience is not the biggest thing in college basketball anymore. Kentucky, where do they rank in experience? They're not very high. And yet, they're still a team that has a chance to win a national championship, don't don't they? I mean, Duke won a national championship with a bunch of one-and-done guys. You're telling me that you can't field an average team with less than experienced players that's on you
3: just, just win a handful of games yeah anything
2: uh kp uh, texter steve you were the number one oh that's for the state the show across the across the hall uh texter he sure is full of excuses isn't he sounds like cal i love my team and we're hundred fifth in experience yeah that you know just seems to be full he's got something and you know he's going to say that he loves his players you can Bet your
3: life savings on that because well, he does his that every kid's game. on the team, so I hope he does. I hope so. <laughs>
2: um,
3: yeah, I hate that Zane Payne kid. That's right. Wow.
2: <laughs> uh, one more piece of sound here before we uh, before we get to break. Let's talk about uh, KP about having no point guard and not being connected. You spoke about you know just uh, just how big it was to not have a point guard tonight, but you know you have guys like uh, Mike and Brandon who you know are they your core, and he's you know, been preaching to have the team be uh, to be. I'm connected. I'm just wondering uh, what about their play and just, you know, I'm up and down the roster. You know, it just seems, you know, things weren't working out tonight in terms of being connected on that end.
1: Look, they had a bad night. I'm not happy with the night. They are not happy with the way this turned out. A, a guy walked into a game and had 41 points. They're disappointed. I'm disappointed. Um, we have to understand that, you know, in the locker room, we talked about what – Game is. This game is basically life or death. Or you can't pursue your career and be the players that you want to be. The players that make it long term in this game, that make money at this game, it's a fire inside of you. Every day is is how do I get better? It's not casual. And so young players are having to learn that. And in college, you know, there's there's this with my guys. There's this, I want this so bad. I want it. What are you willing to sacrifice to get it? Because the other guy wants it pretty good, too. And that guy today was Henson, 41.
2: Well, I mean, how many times have we heard this press conference over the years? I I know we're playing the sound and everything, but there's nothing different. Uh, Texter, but Zach, have you seen all those All-Americans Kentucky has? Yeah, I've seen the All-Americans. Antonio Reeves is one of them. All those uh, young freshmen, as I've said maybe haven't necessarily lived up to that but kentucky's still playing for something we're still talking about them in february having a chance to make a run so yeah i see all the the all-americans and you could argue whether they should be better or not but we're still talking about them doing something more positive radio we'll get back to positive radio coming up next
0: tired of jumping from job to job how about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment
2: You are listening to Rebeau & Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now,
0: nah, here's Louis Rebeau.
2: A little Hotel California on a Monday. How about that? One of the most relaxing songs of all time and much needed after talking about Louisville basketball for the last 15 minutes or so. 437-9680 is the UPS Jobs text line. Don't forget... We're also the, your home for uh, the Kentucky basketball, Kentucky Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife post game show. I should get my own show's name right. Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show that will be on Wednesday night around eleven o'clock. Join us, uh, me along with Mike Gandolfo and Jason Entz after they beat or they take on LSU. And Kentucky Fish and Wildlife reminds you to enter the twenty twenty four elk draw today on their website. So tune in for that. Going to be a late one on Wednesday night here on ESPN 680-1057 after the Cats take on. The Tigers, and as Ed Orgeron would say, "Go Tigers!" But uh, let's see. So, also, don't forget, as I mentioned, they have Louisville playing uh, Notre Dame on Wednesday, Thursday. Louisville women's basketball is back in action after uh, the tough loss yesterday against Virginia Tech. They go- hit the road they go down to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech. Uh, pre-game coverage starts at 5:30 over on 93.9 The Ville, and uh, join the voice of the Cardinals, Nick Curran, for that one, of course. Uh, do a show with Nick and Phil Baker on Sunday, on the Sunday morning hangover, so make sure you tune into that as well, 10 to 12 here on a Sunday on ESPN six eighty one oh five seven shameless plug there. I've only got a couple shameless plugs left to do. I did the wildlife Post Game show and the uh, Sunday morning hangover, and I've already done Louisville Sports Live, so... Some shameless plugs here. Uh, Zach Cantrell. Tana Brutamesto back doing the ones and twos. Cantrell and co. this week. Louis on vacation. Uh, As a reminder, we'll have Mark Ennis in for the entire show tomorrow. We'll have Mike Gandolfo on Wednesday. Uh, Ben Roberts and Jay Davis Thursday. And Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull, on Friday. So plenty of guests. We'll have you covered. We'll get you through the week here on ESPN 680-1057. So I want to get into some national college basketball. And I'm going to tie this back to Louisville. So I want to talk about... Ohio State beating Purdue yesterday that is the first time in quite a while that I've been excited about an Ohio State basketball game because it was the first time that Chris Holtman was not the head coach in seven years Jake Diebler takes over and you could just tell right away the difference in motivation the difference in execution those guys were ready to play from the very beginning and they're going up against a team that could win a national title I'm not saying Purdue's going to because we know what Purdue's record is in March but that's the number two team in the country. That's a team that's been in the top five all year and a team that Ohio State has historically not matched up very well against. But from the start, the energy was on a totally different level. Zed Key did a pretty good job on Zach Eady. Edie. Edie got his, but he didn't dominate the game that we're u- the way that we're used to seeing Zach Eady dominate the game.
3: Yeah, when you're like 7'5", you're going to get yours.
2: Yeah, and it's because you're 7'5". Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean Jamison Battle 3 for 5 from 3 19 points one of the best shooters in the Big 10 showed it yesterday Bruce Thornton 22 points and this is a similar situation to what Louisville has Ohio State has talent nobody doubts that but they lost 9 of 11 coming into this game they went from 12 and 2 to 14 and 11 and it was the Chris Holtman special as far as they always start strong and then the calendar turns to January and it's like Ohio State forgets how to play basketball. And it drove me up a wall. And the problem is they'd gotten to this point that the fans, for the most part, are apathetic. Because Ohio State has not been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since 2013. Louisville fans obviously remember 2013 pretty fondly. And remember, Ohio State almost played them in the Final Four that year. But they lost to Wichita State. And that's what led to the Tim Henderson game where he comes off the bench, has those two quick threes, gets Louisville back in the game. So it's been a while since Ohio State has been relevant on the national stage. And yesterday they were, just for a day. They're not going too far. They're they're not going to make the NCAA tournament this year unless they win out. And even then it's probably a long shot. But it felt nice to feel relevant again on the national stage, which is something that has not happened for this Ohio State program in a long time. And you could tell the difference in the second half. When Ohio State's up 12 at one point in the second half, they're playing great. But you know Purdue's going to make a run, and they did. And they tied the game with about two minutes to go. Chris Holtman teams struggled mightily in the last two minutes of games. They couldn't break a press. They looked unorganized. They, at times, couldn't even get shots up. Ohio State executed much better in the last two minutes of that game. Jamison Battle hit a 15-footer. They made their free throws. They broke presses. They did the little things that they had not done in a really long time in a big game, Against a quality opponent. And the odd thing is, Ohio State basketball is the Purdue football of college basketball. You know, Purdue football always beats top five teams when they're unranked. Ohio State, the last seven times that they were unranked playing a top two team, six of those times they won, which is an amazing stat. But Zed Key played a great game defensively against Zach Eadie. As I mentioned, Jameson Bowe, Bruce Thornton. Ohio State has talent. Nobody doubts that. But coaching made a significant difference yesterday. Jake Diebler did a heck of a job, and Ohio State beat a good team. And it was nice to feel relevant again. And I'm going to go ahead and tie this back to Louisville. This is what could have happened after the Kentucky game. Because I think that was the perfect time, because they had two weeks in between games. That was the perfect time to cut bait with Kenny Payne, go with an interim, and play out the rest of the season. And if they would have done that, Maybe Louisville plays with a little bit more effort. Plays with a little bit more energy. Because interim coaches make a significant difference. Just ask the Raiders. I'm taking it to the NFL. Ask the Raiders. Josh McDaniels was fired after nine games. The Raiders were not good. They were hard to watch. Antonio Pierce takes over. They go beat the Chiefs on Christmas. Have, he does good enough, he gets the permanent job. In
3: recent history, the Raiders are the best interim head coaching spot ever. Because who? Uh, he went to the Packers.
2: Rich Passaccia. Yeah. yeah they, he took him to the playoffs yeah. after John
3: Gruden got fired. That's right. Both of those guys are yeah. just two great examples of what an interim can just yes. do for a team.
2: Text are good, good stuff, Zach. I normally tune out when a host's on vacation. Not so today. Appreciate it. I hope uh, more people tune in throughout the week. Louis's going to be on vacation, but we, we got you covered throughout the week. I really appreciate texts like that. Um, but again, so Louisville, I'm not... Could they have salvaged the season after the Kentucky game? Probably not. But there might be some energy. There might be... Ohio State yesterday had their highest attendance of the season. And this is before the game ever happened, before they beat Purdue, any of that. People cared again. There was something for people to get excited about. Because Chris Holtman, you knew what you were getting. And it wasn't good. There was the intrigue of the unknown with Jake Diebler now as a head coach. And that brought people back to their seats. And Ohio State and Louisville have similar basketball arenas as far as the size. You know, Ohio State seats about 20,000 people... So, Louisville seats about 20,000 people, or Ohio State seats about 20,000 people. Louisville's about 22,000 people. The energy in that crowd yesterday was significantly different. And if you're a Louisville fan, you just wonder if that could have happened if they got rid of Kenny Payne midseason because we just saw it happen with Ohio State. The different energy that they played with. And we can get more into that in just a little bit. Uh, we've got more talk coming up. We've got the All-Star game. Uh, first take, just ask, can someone score 100 points in today's NBA? We can even get into that. Uh, lots of uh, random things to get into. But you know, we got fun first hour. We've got another big hour coming up, and we'll talk about it next.